everyone, welcome to a very spooky episode of Glitch Place. <laughs> this Blaze. was the one magic one. The, All the rest that's of them the were one normal. magic what, bird? What's happening? It's not on camera, so I can't show you. <laughs> Gone. That, <laughs> no one knew it was it in the first place. Okay. Wow. So, uh, it's drink your drink your Diet Coke, I'll drink my coffee. Uh, it's a nice early morning. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of video game stuff. First of all, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the recent events in news. We're going to play Would You Rather Microtransaction Edition. Oh, boy. Um, no, and then, not again. Yeah, uh, and then uh, we'll get into The Evil Within 2 because uh, Bethesda's uh, PR agency was nice enough to send us a couple codes, so we've got to actually have some hands-on time playing it. And also they sent us and a bunch of things. really... Weird stuff, and I'm not sure if like if I'm cursed forever now. Cause, well, apparently we are now. So I didn't know half this stuff was bad luck stuff but until it arrived in the mail. Apparently, like cat. ringing a bell will summon demonic forces. It says forces. a bell ringing for no reason harkens evil, or does it scare demons away? Can't remember. I guess there, there there's some uh, some back and forth on that particular topic. Could be that uh, it's okay. So maybe I'm I'm driving them away. I, look, I'm. If I fly today, I'm not gonna ring that bell. You probably. If couldn't. this stuff was not from a marketing agency, you'd think someone was stalking and trying to murder you. They, yeah, they also sent like, like a shattered mirror. Did they really? Yeah. That's but it was. Up. It was nice. It was like one of those Walgreens like dollar mirrors. But it was broken very nicely. It's okay. weird. Anyway, uh, so we'll get into all that fun stuff. Uh, and we want to say thank you to the sponsors for this episode of Glitch Please, Blue Apron and Casper. And we'll talk about them a little bit more uh, when we get into the episode. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about some of the news. It's interesting that was a Resident Evil glitch because I got very Resident Evil feels from... From Evil Within 2? Which we're not talking about this Reason moment. Reason for that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so some of the big news items for this week. Uh, one, we'll, we won't get fully into this because we're going to play Would You Rather Microtransaction Edition, but um, one is the ESRB and uh, and PEGI, which is the, the European rating system. PEGI 16. Yes, that guy. 13? That guy. Oh, that's, that's the, that say the guy. age. Got it, okay. Uh, have uh, <laughs> basically both issued statements about the use of loot boxes in games saying that they're not responsible for regulating them as gambling. They don't right. see them as gambling. Uh, uh, the, there is a trademark that suggests Nintendo may be working on a Game Boy Classic Edition. Or right. something Game Boy related at the very least. Um, and then because we are now about midway through October, I think it's uh, worth running through the video game release calendar again. Just with, like updated, just see what's She's coming. She's petting out. the bird, not me. I know you couldn't tell originally. <laughs> bird. It is a black bird. It's like the a black bird. It's not, as well. it's not the most bird. secure bird. Multiple people thought it was a real bird when I was walking around with it earlier. Did you say ahoy? No, I just said this is my bird. <laughs> um, all right, so let's start off with the uh, loot boxes and microtransactions and the rating system. So there's been a growing movement. A lot of people. Uh, saying that uh, that microtransactions or loot boxes should be regulated as gambling because they're getting people to spend more money in games and that they're feel, they're very much like slot machines. And so we, you know, we've um, on the know in the past we've done a couple things about uh, like basically what video games are learning from casinos as far as keeping people in, getting that that like that small sense of 
that that gambling rush that you get. The small win. Small wins. For the big loss. Right. House always wins. <laughs> um, but both the ESRB and Peggy uh, are coming out saying that they don't think that it that this counts as gambling. And this is important because if they did weigh in favor of them being gambling, then by default, they would all games with microtransactions or loot boxes, loot boxes would be rated adults only. Oh, really? Because they're gambling. Is it, do you think that's why they're not rating it this way? Yes. Okay. But uh, there is a little bit more nuance to it, um, and this was really, it was pretty well pointed out. Uh, the ESRB statement uh, says, ESRB does not consider loot boxes to be gambling. While there is an element of chance in these mechanics, the player is always guaranteed to receive in-game content, even if the player unfortunately receives something they don't want. We think of it as a similar principle to collectible card games. Sometimes you'll open a pack and get a brand new holographic card you've had your eye on for a while, but other times you'll end up with a pack of cards you already have. And that is a fair point. Those yep. like 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 booster packs of cards mm -hmm. have been around for decades. Uh, they're you know they're basically how card games work is with these booster packs, where sometimes you'll get something that you want, and sometimes you won't. I think the other point of it is that you never get your money back. Right, you're not winning money. You're, you're not winning, winning digital or physical content. Right, and that it, is a great point. No matter what happens, you open it and you get something. Maybe it's not what you wanted. But something comes out. You never open a pack and it's just like, wah, wah. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the Peggy statement was pretty similar. <laughs> they Matt said opening a bunch of uh, Halloween boxes. Oh, so happy. Uh, saying, uh, in short, our approach is similar to that of ESRB. I think all ratings boards do, USK and Germany as well. The main reason for this is that we cannot define what constitutes gambling. That is the responsibility of a national gambling commission. Our gambling content descriptor is given to games that simulate or teach gambling as it's done in real life, casinos, racetracks, etc. If a gambling commission would state that loot boxes are a form of gambling, then we would have to adjust our criteria to that. So, uh, ESRB is saying, we don't think it's gambling because you're guaranteed to get something. Peggy is saying, we're not responsible for defining gambling. And if a gambling commission were to say, yeah, it's gambling, then we would adjust. Sure. That's kind of dangerous because that's saying, that's, that's just throwing it up in the air and letting some other maybe less informed body make the decision for you. That's true, which is like the exact opposite of what mm -hmm. these rating systems have sort of done in the past, which is intentionally privatize right. it to keep it out of the hands of a, like a, a government commission. Mm -hmm. But I also see their point in saying, like, we're not a gambling commission. We don't determine what's gambling. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I'll give you that. That is not in the necessarily in the scope of their uh, their operations. Um, and yeah, I, I'm inclined to think that it's not really gambling, though there's an element of chance involved, but... The, 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 the thing where it gets shaky, though, is that, like, developers control the, the frequency in which you get, like, the stuff that you right. care about. And, like, it's not... I think that is the part that should be somewhat regulated, where at any point, like, what, what game was it that... Some game changed their... It was Pokemon Go. Okay. Where you would, uh, they changed the, the frequency in which you would catch things with a certain Pokeball. And I feel like that specifically should be regulated. Where like, all right, I spent 20 bucks on these balls knowing that I'll have a 20% catch rate or something like that. And then the next day they decide to drop it down to 15%. Like that stuff seems not okay. That's, that was the moment when I was like, when, the, when that patch came in, people were like, yeah, the catch rate's much lower. That's the moment I stopped playing the game. Because 
it was I wasted money on things thinking I would get one thing and then I got the other once they decided to change it. They devalued your purchase right. retroactively. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. In China, they actually do regulate uh, these sort of loot boxes. Mm -hmm. They are uh, required to publish the likelihood of getting any particular item in a game. I think that, that I think fair. that should be the norm. I mean, you see threads on new games every time there's a game with a loot box, and like with Destiny, they're like, "I spent five hundred dollars on Bright Engram, so you didn't have to. Here's what I got." And it's like, okay, you got a lot of shit, but like it like lays out sort of the percentages of exotic items versus regular and dust and all that. So I think that should definitely be surfaced because otherwise it's just. I mean, I don't mean I don't know I. I, I still buy into some of that stuff. Like I still mm. buy silver for Destiny, but I do feel like there should you be some. Do? You do. Why? I bought one. I should say I bought it one time because uh -huh. I was like, I'm on the the hype train. I'm gonna buy some silver just because I wanted to get some ornaments and things like that. I never got the fucking exotic emote, even after playing that game a lot, um, the the ramen one. Um, but I, like I don't know, that stuff should be surfaced. It, it it's yeah. frustrating. I agree. Yeah, no. It's uh, let us know what our odds are, and then, then we can make the informed decision as to whether we want to throw some money at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, there are there have been some very clever ways of getting around sort of microtransaction items in games not being gambling uh, because they have no real world value. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we saw this with um, the well, CS:GO they, they skins. They do and they don't. Yeah. Right. So on Steam, it's not gambling because you it has no value within Steam. You can't get your money back from that ecosystem. It's not gambling. Um, on those sites that resell skins because you're selling a specific thing. Mm -hmm. But you gamble, get stuff, and then sell it for real-world money. So you can get your money back, but not within one single streamlined system. I mean, that's just supply and demand. If somebody's got a product that someone wants, they'll pay money for it. Yeah, it's the, receiving that item is not really any more of a gamble than opening any other loot box. It's just that there's a marketplace where that thing can be resold. Yeah. But, but it is still selling. It is not gambling. Right. So by separating it out, they sort of mitigate that risk. If you could buy it, that would be different from, like, directly. Yeah. But it is interesting that we at least now have statements from the two major ratings boards on microtransactions and loot boxes. Mm -hmm. And that they're, they're weighing in favor of, like, nope, fine, we're not going to do anything about this. They're but weighing in favor critic. of someone else's problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they did, like, view it as gambling, that would sort of make most of these systems go away, right? Because people wouldn't want the game to be AO. Well, and that's the trick, too, is, like, ESA is largely formed of of people who have horses in the race. <laughs> uh, and uh, the other... Th oh. Now I'm blanking. There was something else about it, but I'll, I'll bring it up uh, in our conversation a little bit later if it comes back to me. Um, but the Game Boy Classic Edition, next headline. So, oh, boy. <laughs> on September 15th, Nintendo filed a Japanese trademark application that included an image of what's unmistakably a Game Boy. They don't include the name Game Boy anywhere in the trademark application, but the image is absolutely a Game Boy. Now, does it have controllers that attach from the side? Because I hear there's another company that's very hot about that. <laughs> uh, right. Um, so the among the trademark categories applied for is video game system or program, which, again, fits with these classic consoles that Nintendo's putting out. They had the NES, they've just released the SNES, uh, and so that would very much mm -hmm. fit in with that. They haven't announced anything yet. Um, it's worth noting as well, the, so here's the... Oh yeah, that's definitely That's a Game, a Game Boy. Boy. That is not <laughs> even possible to interpret as something else. Uh, 
But will it still have the shitty green graphics? I love well, that. See, you love that? That was a charming thing. That was not a charming thing. Super charming. That was yeah. eye offensive. And then you get all will the, you be able to see it in the light? Well, you have to get the attachment for that. Yeah, like no. the magnifying no, glass don't, with the lights that go in. Don't add those. That, those were terrible. And they had like the fold out. Were they speakers that folded out? Those things are fucking amazing. Depending on the version. Like some, some, of, some of the contraptions you can get for that thing were incredible. Now, it is worth noting that the trademark application uh, categories also include keychains, clothing, and cosmetics. So it is possible... Uh. Uh, that Nintendo is is planning on doing more sort of nostalgic cash in with like a line of like merchandise or something like that. But given that they have been releasing consoles, I can see them even releasing like a handheld with a bunch of old school games preloaded on it. Is there that much of a? I mean, there must be, but I I don't look back on Game Boy games and think, man. The nostalgia for playing that Mario Brothers game that was not quite as yeah. good as any other Mario Brothers game is so strong that I need it. I think back yeah. then the thing I played most was Pokemon, but it was the, literally the only reason to own one was because you were a desperate gamer who couldn't play it on the go any other way. Yeah, and I mean the Game Boy was their only handheld for nine years before they came up with out uh, with the next game. Can you imagine any handheld these days going for nine years? Maybe exactly. The, maybe the Switch. They don't even sell those old tiger ones anymore. You know the ones that are just like flashing oh, screens? Oh, well, of course they don't. Those are horrible. You know what's making a comeback? Tamagotchi. Oh, no, not no the Tamagotchi. No joke. I got a press release the other day that was like, hey, we're going to have we're, Tamagotchi's coming back. And I I just emailed the PR person back. I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you sure? Like, don't get me wrong, I had a Tamagotchi in high school. There Aren't there apps for Tamagotchi? Uh, yeah, there's like, thousands of them. But this is like those actual, like, physical egg things where we hatch the egg and well, you have to take care of why it. Would you prefer, why, would you prefer, why would you prefer that over just the app? I, I, I think it's people, people like just going in on 90s uh, Like silly things. If you give me a Tamagotchi, a Tamawachi, where I could uh. put it as a watch... Yeah, that's right. Tamawachi. Yeah. Which you can, you can, you can definitely already there. do that with phones, <laughs> probably, with yeah. a watch, a smartwatch. Yeah, it would make sense. Well, so, would you you would get a Game Boy Classic? Again, no, I haven't got my SNES Classic but yet. But would you? Um, that's a hard question because I don't know the demand. Like, with the SNES Classic, it was the same problem. Like, I wasn't going to sit there all day and wait to pre-order it. So, no, probably not because it's going to be in too high demand. Do you have a lot of Game Boy OG games no. that you're like, man, uh, Game I Boy, play. Game Boy Red, Blue, Yellow. That's like, or, or sorry, Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow. It's all I, I remember. I also like Game Boy Red, Blue, and Yellow. <laughs> hey, shut up. <laughs> Which, no, it's, they existed. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Except for maybe the Yellow. Yellow existed. It was a Pokemon Game Boy. Or is oh. it Pokemon? It was a Pikachu Game Boy. Fucking A. I, uh, of this I, was like the, I was like the colors. The, what they'd call the colors. Like there was Game Boy spice. Color? There was the spice, which is the orange. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Purple was... Nitro, I can't remember. But Purple they, nitro, huh? Yeah, it wasn't nitro. Jelly. Um, but they had, I liked, the, they didn't just call it like, here's the purple one, here's the orange one. It was special. Well, I'm sure they, they had to patent the color and all that stuff, too. That's Probably, like, here's our Pantone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, either way, or, so you would you'd skip a Game Boy. Oh, oh, God, no. I don't I have no desire to own one of those at all. Okay. Did you? I think did I had. Did you? I, well, I haven't. No, I haven't got one of those yet either. They went back up on uh, GameStop's website really? yesterday. Fuck. Sort of. Gone we already. Think yeah. It was. 
I don't know if their website was right, just glitching out because a bunch of people hit it all at once. I can guarantee you they're not there now. I'm going to, I'm going to look on Amazon right if now. Someone, if someone sees this go live, tell me because I want to buy one. Yeah, we... Uh, I didn't think I wanted a, one until we did that stream, man. No, you like it? I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Especially just playing Ghouls and Goblins. Oh, my God. SNES Classic. Let's see. Is it on Amazon right now? No. All right. There's Super NES Classic, well, yeah, not available. 541 offers for $155. No, thank that's, you. Yeah, that's, that's not too bad. Yeah. But what? It's a hundred percent markup. <laughs> no big. Uh, and finally, we are now mid-October. We are in the middle of the sort of the game release rush in time for the holidays. So uh, we, we did this a few weeks ago. We sort of ran down the game calendar. I think it's worth uh, going through and just noting some of the highlights that are going to be coming out still because we're about to get some of Look the really, really, really what's big the matter? I'm excited for what's happening on October 27th, but please. Oh, man, that's going to be quite the day. All right, so the game release calendar for the rest of this holiday season is firmed up. We are now looking... so. Let's look through Add to Cart at GameStop. Add to, add to cart. cart. Add it to cart. Add it to cart. Give me your phone. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Where's your phone? I don't know. See, this is the problem that was happening yesterday. Where so the Add you, to Cart did not work? Yes. So, it's grayed uh, out. Where it's showing it as... Oh, wait, wait, wait. It says new, unavailable online. Okay. So yesterday, the GameStop website was showing... Uh, like very the Add to poor cart design. Button, but then nothing would happen when you clicked Add to well, Cart. Well, it's grayed but, out. It was also going up and down, so every it kept alternating between allowing you to like at least see the button to add to cart that you couldn't add to cart and not available. Hey, GameStop, don't put an add to cart button that doesn't work. No one knows that grayed out means not functioning other than it's pretty standard, but at the same time, if this is the first time I've ever been to your website, I would just assume that you have a gray button. Yep. On the non-mobile non website version, it just says more info instead of add to cart. All the other results show add to cart. GameStop, yeah, so I think something might be messed up with their fix website. Fix your mobile version of your website. Don't put a gray button that says add to cart. Man, <laughs> I feel bad for web teams because I hear that. I don't even work on our web team, yeah. but all day I get tweets like, why is your player broken? It's like, I don't, I don't fucking know. But stop tweeting about it. Like, There's a big so difference bad. between a player just not working and no, a poor design to choice. Totally. But I get, I get stuff like that, too. Yeah. But I don't even I don't do stuff for the website. <laughs> <laughs> Look, no one knows what you do, okay? <laughs> you need to make it clear to everybody. We I just, can't. Th just figure this way you'll pass it on to those who need to, yeah. you need to fix it, right? I don't, because that would be, be annoying for them to hear it from me. I don't, no, want, I don't want to be the middleman here. No, 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 no. So who, who should they tweet it to, then? Web at Rooster, or like Web, the Rooster. Do we even have a? I think we have like a a, a Web Engineering Twitter, right? I have I no clue. Know. You tell us. We should find that out. I, I don't. I, this is not my department. <laughs> it's kind of your department. Well, no, that's a separate department. Separate now. department. They spun off. Yeah. All right. So the game release calendar. We're turning yes. to video game things. Uh, so uh, October thirteenth, Evil Within two. Uh, and uh, October seventeenth. So next week, South Park, The Fractured Butthole. <laughs> um, also October 17th, Gran Turismo Sport. And this is just the highlights, by the way. This isn't, this isn't all of them. This list is very, very long. So I just bolded a couple of the, really, of the bigger titles. Um, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, October 20th. Destiny 2 hits PC, October 24th. And then we get to the 27th. Really? You, these, uh, yes for Destiny on PC. Yes, because uh, my friends that I have not been able to play with because they're waiting for the PC will be playing it there, and I'll play it with them. All right. There you go. 
Going back around, huh? Yeah, man. It's a fun game. I love shooting stuff and getting loot. Yeah, but once you've done it, you kind of done it. Uh, listen, if, if my friend, like any of my friends call me up and they're like, hey, dude, you went around the Nightfall, even though I haven't played the game in like a week or two now, I will totally hop on and play it because it's fun to shoot shit. That game has real good shooting mechanics. <laughs> it's it real does. good, it's real good shooty game. It's got good shooting mechanics, but it's not so amazingly different from the first one that I'm it's, not like... It's still a fun game to play with. Friends. It's a fun game, but I've Listen, played a I, lot I will, of that game. I will not say that game is not without its flaws, but that game is... It's not, I'm it, not even saying it's flawed. Not at all. Yeah. I think it was a very enjoyable game. They deliver on story. They did a great job with that. Uh, but having played through all the way through the raid, I'm now good with that game. Yes. I have no need I'm to play still, it I'm still not good, even though I'm not playing it right now. I mm -hmm. want to go back and do the prestige raid and get the cool gear, even if it's for nothing. Other than just looking cool, I could take a picture and post it to Twitter and be like, look at my cool dude. That was actually something that was kind of disappointing about the raid gear. Is that in previous versions, uh, you know, in Destiny 1, raid gear actually was something that was like cool other than just it looked cool. Like it had abilities that were interesting. Yeah, the, the, they just released Iron Banner gear that looks good, but I think Ashley is waiting for us to stop talking about Jeez. it. No, no, I was just thinking <laughs> I was just thinking that if you're gonna take a break from from Destiny 2, because you feel like you're, like you're waiting for the add more content, this is a good time for it, because there's so much other stuff so to play. So much shit. Exactly. And then you can come back to it when it's got more well, stuff. Well, yeah, when DLC drops, then I'll play it again. Yep. Right. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, gosh. Um, October 27th, Assassin's Creed Origins, Super Mario Odyssey, yes. and Wolfenstein 2 New Colossus. Oh, I can't believe those, those all And the same not day. a game, but Stranger Things season Yes. That, uh, that's a big it's day. It's a big day. I, Which are you going to start with? Odyssey. I mean, Odyssey, okay. Yeah, dude, that game, come on, man. Hats. Well, Hats. it's just Mario. Hats. Like, I just want a Mario game. So, first review is out uh, from Edge Magazine uh -huh. because. Uh, from, you know, for Odyssey? Yeah. What? Well, because print works on such a different yeah. timeline than the web, that they sort of, it was either now or their review drops in November. Sure. At which point, no one cares anymore. So I guess Nintendo said, yeah, you go ahead. So first review is out 10 out of 10. I, uh, 10 out of 10. I wouldn't wow. really expect anything less from a, like, they haven't made a proper 3D Mario game since Sun Galaxy 2. Is that considered a proper 3D Mario game? I mean, yeah. I mean, people sometimes exclude that and they say Sunshine was the last proper 3D Mario game. I mean, it depends on sort of like you have to get really granular about how you're going to define it if you want to break them out. But yeah. overall, I'd say, yeah. I exclude I exclude Super Mario 3D World, even though it is a 3D new, what, Mario new game. New Super Mario? None of those. I The last one I would really consider a proper uh, Mario game with like a full story and all that is, is Galaxy 2. And I don't know why I exclude it that way, but... Like, I don't feel like those games have as much clout as something like Galaxy. But, yeah, dude, I wouldn't expect anything less from, from a new Mario game. What's your priority on the 27th? Uh, either yeah, Wolfenstein or... Um, shoot, what was the other one? There's Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed uh, Origins. Yeah, I think I might do a Wolfenstein first, because I feel like uh, when I have multiple titles that I want to play, Wolfenstein, I think, between that and Assassin's Creed will be the one that I can just play through fast knock it out and then exactly the like i'll have a it, it, those games are usually like a, a good like few session you know few longer session committed focused and then out done like you've had your fun and you can walk away from it whereas assassin's creed's like all right could be a couple dozen hours so and you have this i'm other gonna have to go pick up all these things are you gonna and, play yeah. odyssey before or after assassin's creed uh or not at all 
I don't know. We'll see. Wow. It's... People with different tastes. How shocking. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, the only thing that I might get into Odyssey 4 at this point is to see if uh, Eli likes it. If my son will play it, then I'll, I'll give it a shot. I mean, you get to put a hat on a dinosaur and be a dinosaur. Look, I'm not like a two... How, how old is Eli now? He's, he's, gonna, he's six now. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. In my mind, I guess he's been two for like four years. <laughs> he uh, grew up. Okay, well, he gets to be like put a hat on a dinosaur and be a dinosaur. I think it's safe to say there's going to be some appeal there. I hope. Uh, I've, I've tried to get him into Mario's games before, and he's just not having it. Well, see, you can always just like you know, you take the switch and you just like hand it to him, and be like, "Here you go," and then you can be playing your game on the TV, and you can be sitting right there, and you can have like your bonding time without actually having to talk to each other. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I mean, I already have that experience. It's just he, he plays Lego on the TV. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next week um, after that, I think that. That's holiday. Yeah. If we had to have like one day for this year where it's like the insane game release day, it's October 27th. But the next week is Call of Duty World War II. That's out on November 3rd. Uh, and then the. Uh, do you what? play the beta at all? No. I don't care about Call of Duty anymore, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's. It, I mean, it. it's not special in any way. It's, all right. It's very. A World War II shooter uh, Call of Duty game. But there's also something very interesting about Call of Duty in that it doesn't need to be. Like the... the for its audience. For its audience, yeah. yes. There's just, there is a segment of people mm-hmm. out there who buy Call of Duty every year mm-hmm. because they know exactly what they're getting mm-hmm. and they don't care. It's It's, it's, it's a crossover in, I think, the mentality of a lot of people who buy sports titles every year uh-huh. as well. Where it's like it's updated roster, it's got like a couple new things, and they don't really care if it's retreading a bunch of the same ground. They just want the new version of it, and they know exactly what they're getting, and that's worth the price of entry. I will say they've been doing some interesting things with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare uh, post-release with the multiplayer. Like they had just had Gesture Warfare was kind of a little fun thing. They have these fun little game types that they've been rotating through, which is kind of neat. Same kind of idea as what Overwatch did. Um... But, God, the movement in that game is so hard to play Infinite Warfare and not go, oh, this is just, like, not as good a version of Titanfall. Yeah. All the wall running, all of the the movement mechanics in Titanfall were so much better refined versions of what was available in Infinite Warfare. Yeah, speaking of of Titanfall... Uh Uh-huh. those developers respawn are working on a VR exclusive title, <laughs> and the and the what made me think of that as well. The next lead-in, um, good for news. So we'll take a quick sidebar. Is that Oculus just announced a new VR headset? Uh-huh. This is um, Oculus Go. It's going to be two hundred bucks coming out twenty eighteen. And what's interesting about it is that while it's more limited in terms of what it can do, because it's obviously going to be a bit lower end than the mm-hmm. Oculus Rift. It's standalone. It doesn't require a PC, and it doesn't require, a, like, a phone or anything. It's going to be a standalone headset. It's going like to be like a phone on your head that right. plays games. Like I mean, yeah, phone. they've got that already. It's just you put your phone in it, I yeah, guess. Totally. Right, but I think what they're trying to do is, like, design something that's a little bit more consumer entry level yeah. than Oculus Rift, but that they want to really like tailor the hardware for a better VR experience than doing it with your phone screen. My thing is my thing is like two hundred bucks. There's noise. 
It's like a phone alarm. It sounds exactly like my alarm going off. I'm thinking, I'm, am I supposed you're, to sleep? No, you're awake. You're awake. Hold on. Do you There's need the to, thing. Do you okay. need to ring a bell? Sorry, I'm good. Don't do it. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Hold on. If this stops spinning, you're still dreaming. You're not dreaming. That was a good spin. It's a really good spin. Okay, you're dreaming? <laughs> uh, well, okay. they, they trotted Zuckerberg out for this, huh? Yeah, it, he is the one who came out <laughs> and, and announced Where it and they said they're, they're working, <laughs> they want this headset to uh, you know, be part of the progression to getting a billion people into VR. I think Zuckerberg really wants to be like the guy who invents the Oasis. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. I, I mean, the main thing, though, and this is the same issue that the uh, the other, the the smartphone version uh, has, is that they still really haven't nailed down how to do positional tracking with. It doesn't have positional tracking. Yeah, which then that's like what it doesn't have. Fucking good is it? It's. It doesn't have that, and there's um, there are a couple of other limitations as well. Yeah. So it doesn't have everything, but it's. So I feel like there's Oculus Go and Oculus Rift, and eventually they've got to sort of come together. So it's a standalone headset that doesn't need like a PC or cables or anything like that, but it's got all of the tracking and everything that you would expect, and mm -hmm. it's got to be somewhere in the middle. It's got to have both of those things, basically. What? Like, two hundred dollars for someone who's not into VR to try to get them into VR seems like a huge price jump instead of just buying something you can slide your phone into, which was still a hundred bucks. You can get Google Cardboard if you have a, like an Android phone. That's yeah, true. but that's also something that like a lot of DIY enthusiasts are going to be into. A lot of people don't want to deal with it on their own. And the other problem with the the goggles version, the smartphone version, is it only works with a couple phones. Totally, but like it just seems like asking someone to pay two hundred dollars for a VR headset that only does so much, but it has these exclusive games that you probably don't care about because you would you're not into that sort of thing anyway. I, I think. As, as an, a concept for maybe a, a, a new entertainment portal, it's an interesting idea. Like, uh, the not having positional tracking obviously is not an issue when you're talking about looking at 360 video or even experiences like uh, faux theaters and things like that. Like, if you want to sit on a plane, pop those on. If they're really nice and comfortable, you've just shut out the world and now you're in a movie yeah. theater watching a movie. Um, and, you know, aside from on the plane, there's a lot of situations where that might be nice to just completely, like, wall off the outside world and have your own little private uh, media experience. And I, I'm guessing that that's where this is supposed to be targeted. I mean, we are talking about Facebook, and yeah. we are talking about a goal of getting a billion people into VR. So while we've been using VR largely for gaming experiences, that's clearly not the direction they're thinking this needs to go in order to get that many people. I think you're absolutely like, you know, uh, you hit it on the nose with, uh, with like social spaces, with like just like a personal media screen, with that sort of like very casual, very mainstream, very accessible stuff. Which then of course gives the rise to the question, well, why not the phone version then? I mean, the phone version, I'm sure, is still going to exist, uh, but they were giving those away like candy uh, for a long time whenever you bought a phone that was compatible with it. Yeah. Uh, and in recent memory, that's really fallen off. So uh, I think they got as many of them out there as they could, as fast as they could, and the ecosystem just uh, is kind of still not there yet. I mean, that's, yeah. the, nobody's figured out how to properly... I mean, there have been a few good examples. I take that back. Things like Arizona Sunshine was an amazing game that actually 
was fun in VR and like they they told a story like it was a game. Too many people like uh, Star Trek Bridge Simulator, a game. They, the people are finally making games for VR instead of just the VR tech demo that is sold as a title. Yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting. Microsoft, uh, Albert Pinello from Microsoft was saying that the reason that they haven't focused very much on VR yet is they feel that right now it's too connecty. Too connecty? Yeah, I too can connecty. see it. And they didn't Especially want to, and they didn't want to distract version. developers with it. You know, that mm -hmm. it's not, like it doesn't have the... Uh, I don't know, like, like it's not advanced enough, that it is too like too many tech demos and not enough game experiences and so on. Yeah, pretty much. It, it hasn't really found its niche of why a, a gamer wants this over a mouse and keyboard experience. Sure. Or a controller experience. Uh, all right, back into the game release calendar. Right. Uh, so let's see, we did Call of Duty World War II on the third. Following that is um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, they've got uh, the uh, Frozen Wilds on November 7th. Uh, you excited? Yeah. yeah. A little bit? Yes. <laughs> uh, hey so boy. it's going to be, uh, I think a lot of people looking forward to that. You stoked? Uh, I need to finish the original game. I tried playing it after. Uh, Go finish the game. After I, did, Breath I tried of playing the Wild? it after. I, I like started it, then I played Breath of the Wild for like a month, and then I went back to that, and I was like, I cannot climb on everything. This is a hard game. It's, <laughs> you like, can't climb on everything, but everything else is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's and then. Let's see. Uh, we have the Xbox One X console launch on the seventh uh, as well, but that's hardware. Um, Sonic Forces, uh, Project Sonic, is uh, also on November seventh. Need for Speed Payback on November tenth. Um, and then Star Wars Battlefront on the 17th, and Pokemon uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon also on the 17th. Also Skyrim VR for uh, PSVR on November 17th, and Skyrim for Switch on November 17th, and Sims 4 uh, hits PS4 and Xbox One on November 17th. And yet, in spite of all those, like that's a lot of titles all on the 17th, I still don't feel like it outdoes October 27th in scope. Uh yeah, I mean, it's more Skyrim releases or just more Skyrim releases. That's never really going to be that interesting. Just like it's they just uh, it's like opening a toll road. Yeah. Like, oh, good. They're like, oh, great. If I feel like going that way now, I can pay some money and go that way. Yay. You say that because the Austin toll road just opened. Did it? Yeah, the the Which one on Mopac. That? I didn't know that. Yep. Good to know. Finally opened. The expressway. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, and let's see, moving, moving right along, Doom, uh, uh, VFR, what? I was going to mention, uh, have either of you played the Battlefront 2 beta? Yes. Yes. What do you think? Thoughts? It, it looks really nice. It looks it really looks, nice. Um, it looks stunning. Which yeah. is whatever, like that's the lead-off statement the always, yeah. right? It's uh, like, wow, it's pretty. It plays, uh, it plays okay, like, the, yeah. it, it does the same, it, honestly, it feels very similar it, to, to Battlefront 1. I mm -hmm. think the thing that... I'm not seeing because it's a beta is like all of the like the extensive progression that you'll be doing. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know if that game is something I'm gonna love. Like I love playing it for like a couple days and then I don't know. I hate the new squad system. It is awful. Okay. It is a terrible, terrible choice. So you can no longer form a squad with your friends. You are thrown into an ad hoc squad with whoever happens to be respawning at the same time. That's real stupid. That is not teamwork. That is having to meet a new team every time you die. Hi, who are you again? What are we doing? All right, fine. All right, I'll stick with you. And then you're rewarded for sticking with these people. But at the same time, I don't want to talk to a bunch of random people constantly to stay in touch with the squad. Like, if I want to play with my friends, I want to play with my friends. 
I don't want to be uh, like, oh, well, I died. I'll, I'll see you guys out there eventually. That is not a, a good experience to me. Yeah, there's um, that's an issue with the game, uh, and the the star cards are causing a lot of concern. Really? Because the star cards, you can um, like you can basically pay uh, for loot boxes, you know, star cards, and those actually have like star cards are how your character progression works mm -hmm. for the different classes, like the class leveling. And so you can basically pay for head starts. Power level yourself with that's money. That's so shitty. Yeah, dude. so um, that's... A it kind of depends on how much of an advantage you get having. Any advantage. Any advantage. Yeah. I think it's important for my actions to stay away from that. But again, we'll get into that part. All right. Uh, okay, continuing <laughs> on. Uh, Doom VFR hits December 1st. I'm excited about that. So yeah. does Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. 2. Um, I might check that out. <laughs> Um, and then Dead Rising 4 Frank's Blade Package is coming to PS4 okay. on December 5th. Uh, Fallout 4 is hitting uh, HTC Vive December 12th. Yeah. Uh, and Okami HD, which I'm excited about, is hitting December 12th for PC, PS4, Xbox One. I want to play Okami. I never played it. Me you too. never played Okami? No. Okay. Same here. So yeah. the way I describe it to people is one of the few games that ever had Zelda and Zelda. And all the Zelda fans always say, what the fuck are you talking about? It's nothing like Zelda. And yes, it is. Absolutely. Are you so like an ink monster or something? You're um, no, you, you're um, the wolf goddess Amaterasu. Yeah, Amaterasu. And uh, uh, the world. Does that mean fire? It means. I don't know. Ben's shaking his head. What's it mean? Doesn't mean that. <laughs> What's it mean? I'm, I'm looking it up. He doesn't know. Doesn't mean fire. We stumped the Japanese guy. <laughs> um, but uh, so you play as um, Amaterasu, and you have to go through this this world. It's like all dark and grimy and like poisoned, and you are revitalizing it. Uh -huh. And it has this really cool spell casting mechanic where you basically draw a shape uh -huh. um, using. And when it came out on PS2, you'd use like the thumbstick and you would like draw draw a shape. So it would be like a spiral, or you would draw um, a square, or it'd be like a slash, mm -hmm. or something like that. Or, and based on like the shape you traced, it would cast different spells. Okay. So you could make a tree bloom. And that kind was- Kind of calligraphy-ish. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the, that was the mechanic you used for solving a lot of puzzles or mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to go in. So there's the same sort of open world, like overland area that you mm -hmm. get in the Zelda games. And then there are these specific dungeons that you go into mm -hmm. that are more puzzle based and you progress through those. And then that's how you go through, you, you know, you, cure that area and bring it back to life. And it's uh, it's really charming. It's, there's like, you get this cute little sidekick dude who's irreverent and he just loves ladies and boobs and stuff. Nice. And he's also like, this, right. he's also like this tall and he's just like, you know, sit back here. Do, do you get a hook shot? I don't recall. It's been wow. a very long time since I've played it. it, it does, does, I'm means shining in heaven, by the yeah. way. Shining in heaven, not fire. That's weird, because you know, whenever uh, Sasuke does it, it's totally black flames. Uh, you had a like an open mouth thing about uh, Fallout VR. What was that? Oh, I'm ex I'm excited, You're but excited, like, okay. but like, not for sixty bucks. Really? Yes, because I bought the game. Like, you did, yeah. Like I, I recognize that a lot of it's not. You don't flip the VR switch and it becomes a VR game. And I recognize a lot of work went into it, but. I've already played through and, and purchased the game and a couple DLCs. I feel like there should be an upgrade package. Uh, something for 
30 bucks. I would pay 30 bucks for it, like as a DLC. Like, you already own Fallout. Here is the work we've done for 30 bucks. But if you haven't, you haven't bought Fallout before, you get it for 60. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. That should be uh, an unlockable feature for people that already purchased the game. Especially because I have, I mean, maybe they'll come out with a demo, but I have no idea if that's a game I'm going to want to play through for however many hours Fallout takes in VR. I, I played it at PAX. Uh, it does have a walk-around mode instead of a teleport mode, or you can teleport if you want. Yeah. Um, which I think is a, a travesty in Fallout, but... Yeah. Um, but again, you can walk around just fine. That that exists. It worked fine. It's exactly Fallout in VR. Uh, I, I really don't have a way to describe it other than that. It's, it is the game that you remember in every way playing in a way that works very well in VR, but you're still in VR. And, and that sounds awesome, but yeah. who knows if I want to be in a VR headset for more than a few That's hours. Because I've never played limitation. a game that really, I think the most I've gone is like four or five hours. I will say it's really fun when you uh, you walk up to like the first mission where you go and meet the, the Minutemen, and you walk up to what's-his-face with the hat, uh, and uh, you meet him for the first time, and you're like, eye to eye, and you go get in the power armor, and you're like, hello, little man. Oh, really? They really oh, yeah, are That's huge. Cool. That's really cool. <laughs> it's also worth noting, uh, there's no release date for it yet, but PUBG is still on track to release for at least Xbox One by the holidays as well. Yes, we uh, we also have uh, Doom is hitting Switch, uh, and uh, Rocket League is hitting Switch. Of course Oh, they is. had Rocket League on the Switch at, uh, at the Nintendo store at New York. How Why wouldn't that? they? Did you play I it? Uh, no, I looked at it. And it was like, oh, it's Rocket League, cool. I'm kind of surprised <laughs> it took this long for Rocket League to make it over there. Yeah, um, yeah so that those are just some of the highlights. Um, there are, some there are dozens them. more games coming out uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, just a crazy number, really. So um, let us know what games you're looking forward to, especially if it's like one of the ones that wasn't on this list, stuff that we should look at checking out because, uh -huh. you know, it's going to be... This is a very easy time for games to fall through the cracks. Um, but um, you know where you're not going to fall through the cracks? A nice, comfortable mattress. Oh. Because this episode of Glitch Please is brought to you by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. Casper makes outrageously comfortable mattresses that you've probably heard about a million times on podcasts, but actually have one. And it is true. It lives up to the hype. They're really, really cool. And I never, like, I, I recorded, uh, I should go find this video. I recorded, um, like, the box, like, opening the box and seeing it just go poof, because it's a really cool experience. Um, and then once you've got it out of the box, it's nice to sleep on, which is also very important for mattresses. Uh, Casper's mattress is is obsessively engineered at a very fair price. Uh, Casper is made of supportive memory foam for a sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design uh, sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature through the night. Um, you can buy it online. It's completely risk-free. It'll be delivered right to your door in a cool, compact box. Casper understands the importance of truly trying out a mattress that, in all reality, optimistically speaking, you'll spend a third of your life on. If Ca only. <laughs> Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in a showroom with, like, your shoes on and everything. That's just sort of weird. Casper I, is I do that in every showroom I ever go to. You just, like, just, you just find a place and lie down? The car dealership thought it was really weird. Casper <laughs> uh, is available in the U.S., uh, in Canada, and now... The UK, and you can save an additional fifty dollars towards a mattress purchase by going to Casper.com/glitch and entering promo code glitch. That's Casper.com/glitch and promo code glitch. Terms and conditions apply. I was really like, I actually quite liked it. 
You know, I was, I've never bought a mattress like mm -hmm. online before. You know, usually it's like you go, you, you do the lay down thing and then you like strap it to the top of your car or they mm -hmm. have to like deliver it at some <laughs> point. Uh, when I when I moved to Austin, uh, I slept on a inflatable air mattress for a long time. Oh uh, fuck, man! And then I finally was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So I uh, I found a place that was it was like a mattress warehouse that was selling had like a sale going on. They were super super cheap, but they were on the south side of town. I was living on the northwest side of town, and all I have is my little uh, at the time I had my Toyota Corolla, oh, oh, no. no Camry, Toyota Camry. So I strapped that thing to the roof of the car and drove it home. <laughs> it's a terrifying experience. <laughs> I thought so, I was going to fly away. It, the, the internet's doing amazing things where like that that whole thing you don't have mm -hmm. to worry about anymore. I got a queen I, too. I, I was got, like, I'm doing it. I got a Casper mattress recently. Yeah? Yeah, you it's, like? It's a good, it's a, this is not an ad for me. It's a good It's a good bed. We like, I need one. we woke up in our queen bed and we're like, this is too small and uncomfortable. And we're like, should we just order a mattress? And we're like, yes, yeah, just order a mattress. It's like 20 minutes later, we ordered a mattress. It was awesome. I should really do that. I wake up in my king bed and go, my dog has peed on this a lot. Oh, gross. Oh, gross. Yeah. Well, uh. <laughs> I don't like. It's got a mattress protector. Well, that's, you, if you sleep on the peed on mattress protector. It's this, been, it, no, no. I mean, not like, I, she didn't actively pee on it today. Like, it's not like I woke up and went, there's a puddle. But I have woken up in a puddle. Gross, I have dude. before, too. It's that's really that's yeah. When I moved man. my cat down uh, from Utah, like I, she lived with my dad for a couple of years while I was overseas, and um, so when I moved back, went and got her, brought her home, and she's she's like like a little runty scaredy cat. I love that cat. Nutmeg. Nutmeg. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, but she was like so scared and traumatized, uh, and I remembered that she likes she likes what I call camping, which is I'll put my knees up. Like in like, I'll be laying in the bed. I'll put my knees up and form like a little pocket <laughs> under my knees, and she'll go and she'll sleep under there. She'll hide in the teepee. Yeah, yeah in <laughs> like in the Ashley tent. Uh, and so I put her like in I you know put her in the tent, and <laughs> which sounds actually weird. Yeah, don't put her in your tent, man. That. That's not a good um, place. And uh, for for the night, so that she could like have some comfort for her first night. And she was too scared to come out, so she just peed all over the bed oh, inside there. Nice. And, I, and I woke up in the middle of the night with like cold cat pee. And, and I was she like, looked at you, and you, she was like, "Why'd you pee on me?" Time for a new mattress because mm. it was gross. Nice. Anyway, enough, uh, enough uh, of that. Hey, how about you guys? We talk about microtransactions and loot boxes. Okay. So this is the, coming up more and more and more. All of these AAA games are including loot boxes or microtransactions of some kind. So um, the like the idea that sixty dollars is the price of a game seems like that's what they're selling. That's what they're marketing the game for. But in fact, you are expected to spend so much more to get the same sort of experience. And there was a study recently done showing that. The, the microtransactions and loot boxes are wildly increasing the value of the games industry. Like they're bringing it a lot of revenue. Something like $96 billion is what the games industry is worth now. I mean, at the end of the day, I have a little bit of a problem caring because people, are, gamers are doing this to themselves. Right, so this is where Stop like- Stop spending the money. Uh, so you don't you don't buy any loot boxes? No, I really don't. I don't give That's, a shit about how my character looks. So I'm I'm opposite. Do you buy anything? I have been guilty of this in the past when 
not I have haven't done it in full retail games. But when Pokemon Go came out, I did sure. buy stuff for that. Like I bought, I bought a some lot I bought some incubators and I bought some Pokeballs. And I didn't really think too much about it because it was a free game and I was having a good time. And at the time my my mental process was I like this game. It's a free game. I'm happy to drop a couple dollars and mm -hmm. support the developers uh, and get something out of it as well. Yeah, I do. Have, I, there's one time that I've done that, and that was with Fallout Shelter. I was like, okay, I've played this game for 20 hours. I'll buy some lunch boxes. Right. Sure, yeah. I'll get a Mr. Handy. Uh, I used to never buy microtransactions, and then I don't know what happened, but like I buy Overwatch. I used to buy Overwatch uh, loot crates mm -hmm. like every couple of months when they would release a new event because I wanted the cool. It's like a collectible thing. Like I just want that, and uh -huh. I, did, I, did, I did the same thing growing up buying collector's editions. Like you don't have to buy the hundred and twenty dollar version of Halo Three, but if you want the Master Chief helmet, you fucking do. And like that stuff's really cool. But the um, trick with this stuff is you're not buying the Master Chief you're helmet. Not. You're buying a chance at the Master totally, Chief. Totally, totally. You know, and uh, and that's you know we we talked about the the gambling aspect of it a little bit ago and how they're comparing it more to booster packs mm -hmm. for for cards and such, mm -hmm. which is which is apt, but it feels you know more and more like when I see these sorts of transactions in full retail games, they can be done. There are a couple ways to do it where I don't feel like it's fully cynical. Um, I don't, I don't buy loot boxes in Overwatch or anything like that. But the fact that they do that instead of charging for future content in the game, like you know, instead of charging for DLC, so they keep the, their player base unified. Mm -hmm. The loot boxes are purely cosmetic, so they're not changing the balance right. of any sort of game. Uh, and like that sort of thing, I can at least understand. You know, there is a smaller like section of the player base that's more or less picking up the check uh -huh. for expansion development. That said, we haven't seen that much Overwatch content. Like, we've no, seen but they do seasonal events and, seasonal and that events. sort of thing. Seasonal events, I don't know. The uh, yeah, the Overwatch nice, development yeah. team is now like uh, is like a hundred people. There are more people working on Overwatch now than when they launched the game. Doing what? That's only a, there were only a hundred people. Oh, there was less than a hundred people working on Overwatch when it launched. It, a giant Blizzard IP. That's what um what Jeff Kaplan was saying. That's unbelievable, considering like I mean Destiny is a not just a multiplayer shooter. Let me let me see if Destiny I can had find like five hundred plus people working on it. I'm sure it goes through cycles. Like yeah, I mean, well, of course, there's like you you get your assets done and yeah. then you, they move on to something else, but. Still, and a lot of those people are probably contracted to do something, and I don't yeah. know if you'd consider them like a full-time employee. You'd... As of September 9th, 2016, uh, Jeff Kaplan came out and said over more than 100 people are working on the game right now. Yep. I'm going to try to find a more updated statistic. Mm, though. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's see. Maybe it's this one. Yes. Uh, let me see right here. Um, the team is bigger now than it was before the game launched in 2016. Current employee account is up to. Up over 100. So that's I don't know why that's surprising to me. I feel like big games like this would always have a, a bigger, like you look at Assassin's Creed support like staff, 16 or... offices worth of people working on the game. But yeah. But the like the thing about that is the fact that their their development staff is bigger now is going to be supported largely on those loot box microtransactions, totally. and that's how they're funding future development. So that I can understand to some degree. I mean, uh, Another example that, that jumps to mind that affects me a lot more uh, recently is Rockstar. The, that's a microtransaction of purchasing in-game money for... 
but short on, cards, yeah. For the short cards, but uh, I mean, I guess to their credit, though, they also then release very regular multiplayer content that is not charged in any way. So, I mean, you, you get regular updates to multiplayer. There are ways to earn that money in-game without, you know, too much hassle, though you can burn through it real fast. Right. So, um, there, the, the GTA Online community it seems to have, like, really bought into shark cards. That's just, like, a way of life now. Mm -hmm. And Battlefront 2, now, to their credit, uh, for Battlefront 2, they also said that they're going to be doing additional maps and modes and everything uh, for free because they are putting these microtransactions into Battlefront 2. Mm -hmm. So they're doing a similar approach to Overwatch. The difference with Battlefront 2 and where people are getting upset with it is that you, um, the star cards being how you level up classes means that if you were to drop an extra, you know, cool 200 bucks mm -hmm. on these, uh, you know, and get a bunch of star cards when the game first comes out, you're going to be, you know, levels ahead of everyone else. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, I don't know, I, I get the uh, impression from playing it, at least on PC, which, you know, that's a, an, a more dangerous shooter community. Uh, you're alive for about an average of 20 seconds if you're a... Uh, a player that's not necessarily great. But if you're if you're heading levels, you're getting better gear like sniper rifles and things like that. It, it matters. Nah, it's not going to matter that much. The, every weapon in that game so far, the intro weapons in that game are incredibly lethal. You are not a high survivability character <laughs> as in any role. Even a lot of the the unlock roles where you know, the way that game works is to get like the hero characters. As you accumulate points, you can spend them to unlock like a temporary jump into a more powerful body leading up to you can you know you can save them up and it's like 5000 you can get one of the two hero characters for that map but there are interim steps like I'm going to spawn in a tank or I'm going to spawn as like a wookiee hero not Chewbacca but just like a stronger wookiee soldier those enhanced characters are also very easily squished i mean i've spawned in a tank and been around for very very short amount of time they can really mess you up no matter what you're in. And if you give somebody a slightly better gun, all right, his headshot's still going to kill you instantly. It's not going to change that much. But the thing, though, is it gets to be, once you start introducing balance-changing microtransactions, like you, when you can put money down and mm -hmm. get ahead in any way, even if it's a little, it becomes a slippery slope. Whereas, so maybe, uh, maybe Battlefront 2. It's not the craziest but battlefront three rolls around mm -hmm. and people are now used to the balance changes from battlefront two so they can push it a little bit further i don't know it's that's i think the worry that a lot of people have i see and, and you know what I, I don't i honestly don't want to be on the side of the argument uh, of pay to uh, to get advantages in a game uh that's not I'm, I'm conflating two things right now. I'm, on the one hand, I feel like Battlefront is is very much one of those Battlefield games where you are the ultimate of squishy player. Like, doesn't matter what what if you if you are good at being playing that game, it doesn't matter what gun you're holding. Uh, you'll probably squish most of the players because uh, whatever they got equipped, you're still going to down them in a couple shots. Uh, I don't think I got into a fight that I didn't die very very rapidly playing in the beta. Um, and, you know, granted, I'm not the best shooter player. And if I played a lot more conservatively, 
I started to do a little bit better hanging back and being a little bit more tactical. But still, if you get into a situation where someone hits you first, chances are you're done. You can be the best player in the world, but you're probably dead. If someone comes at you from an angle that you don't immediately see them and hits you once, I don't care what your equipment is, you're probably dead. Um, and that's how Battlefield, the, the Battlefield-type games have been. So on the side of Battlefront, I don't think it's going to matter. On the side of general rule, I don't like the idea of having uh, pay to get advantage in, in combat. And then, I just don't think it's going to be a big advantage in this particular instance. Yeah, and, and so you were saying earlier that you've bought silver in Destiny 2. Yeah, that was more of like, I'm super on the hype train for the game, and I just want to see what cool cosmetic things I can get. And they are cosmetic. I know that you can also get them through playing the game, but I was just like, eh, I want to buy them early and see what I can get. And I didn't get a lot of cool things. <laughs> like, it really wasn't worth it, but I was just like, I like this game, I'll support it a little bit more. I have, like, once, I don't know, I felt like once I found, I, I had a little bit of disposable income, those purchases, like, while they're stupid, I'd still buy them sometimes anyway. I don't do it a lot, but, like, I will, when I can, buy collector's editions of games and things like that. Like, I always try to go, like, the little bit extra package just because of fear of missing out, especially. Yeah, FOMO is a powerful thing. Yeah, man. Um, but part of the reason that I think we're seeing a lot of these sort of microtransactions and loot boxes and sort of alternate monetization of, of consumers who are paying the $60 entry fee is because game development, like, game development, is, like, costs are going up as these teams get bigger and bigger. Like, the post-launch team for Overwatch is 100 people. And, you know, they're... Like every single employee has a wage, um, insurance. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to pay rent on your building. Like there are a lot of overhead costs just to keep the lights on. And I think with sort of a lot of the AAA titles, there are a lot of indie titles that um, they're like, "Hey, it was made by one guy," and so uh, it's easier to keep costs down that way. But when you start to get into these dozens of or hundreds of people. Uh, for years at a time on these development cycles, the costs are going up, and so they either have to sell the game to more people, which, you know, I'm, they, they're doing a pretty good job at, I think. You know, we're seeing more and more of, of these games that are selling to millions and millions and millions of people, and it's like, ah, oh, it didn't sell 8 million. Well, that was a disappointment. Uh, but the other way they're pulling in revenue aside from trying to sell to more people, is instead of raising the price of games from $60, they're just like adding all these other things in, so you're spending more without realizing it. I mean, arguably, uh, as much of a concern as the getting you to pay after is this, the, the continued rise of getting you to pay before with the, oh, okay, well, here's the regular version of the game for 60 bucks. Yeah. But if you want all the DLC that'll be available yeah. at launch... Let's get the $100 version. I, I generally don't pre-order games anymore. For unless, that reason or? Yeah, uh, and unless it's like there's a collector's edition that I really want. But I haven't I haven't bought a collector's edition in a while. I didn't buy the one for Destiny. I haven't pre-ordered anything in forever. I'll just buy the digital copy nowadays. Yeah, now that I'm primarily digital for most of the games that I buy, I don't bother pre-ordering because I don't have to. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to reserve a copy. Otherwise, I'm not going to get one. It's digital. I will just go online and buy it when it's out. Well, their new hook, which is, what was that? I was going to say, the one argument that I have for pre-ordering digital content is I'll do it like a day before just so I can get the, the download ahead of time. Uh -huh. So I can like play it at midnight or whatever, but yeah. The, the new hook that there a lot of these people or a lot of these companies employing is 
uh, for example, with Battlefront 2. Uh, you had to have pre-ordered by like a certain date, I think it was sometime in September, to get early access to the beta when it came out. You, everyone else got access to it like three days later. So uh, anybody with a pre-order got in first. A lot of games. Which is Destiny did the same thing. It's like it's a, it's such a weirdly backwards thinking. I can see how it works though, because on the one hand you're like, well, by the time they they the beta came out, that would be the moment where I'd be like, well, I want to try it now. Maybe I'll just go ahead and pre-order it. But it was too late at that point. You had to have already pre-ordered oh, it yeah. to get access Bias. to it. Yeah, and at the same time, it's like it midway. this is a beta that might convince people to pre-order it, like. The people that have already pre-ordered it, you've got their money. Well, they they did the open beta too, so they did. But I mean, it's that like means that the people that want, want convincing can wait and. It's such a weird beta. mismatch of failure to make that work. It's yeah. you're rewarding the people that have already pre-ordered it, but you already have their money, and the people that want to pre-order it right now to give you their money so they can play the beta wouldn't be rewarded with that if they were you know pre-ordered it that day. No, I can agree with that. Like, I think it's fine if they want to offer early access to people who pre-order because they're saying, here, this is a benefit. This is, I mean, you know, we do that with, like, every video where it's, like, you're a Richard Teeth first member. Great, you get 24 hours of early access to, like, all this stuff. But we wouldn't then go, hey, this thing's coming out today. I hope sure you hope you were a first member like a ago. week ago. Yeah, that's what I think that seems like a technical limitation that they maybe so. don't have a solution for it yet. I'm sure they would very much like to be able to mm-hmm. say you pre-ordered it right now. Great. You're in the beta Here's right the now, mm-hmm. but it seems like there's got to be mm. some sort of delay I feel like that, that, that like some sort of like either like the code generation and distribution or some other technical limitation because I'm sure the publishers also want to encourage people to pre-order right now in order to get access. I mean, I'm pretty confident that that's something that has been done many times. Like, it's not unusual to have that be an option with a beta release. I don't know. It's a weird choice. It is a weird choice, which is what makes me think there's something else holding that up. I hadn't considered that. That is a good thought, though. Yes. Um, But if you... If you had a choice between $60 and having microtransactions and loot boxes in games, or paying $90 mm. for a game <laughs> and just knowing that you get it all up front, what would you do? Mm. Well, right th- now, we're living in a world where you do both. Yeah, right, right, right now, I feel like, especially in my case, like I, I'll buy Overwatch and... I've spent more than $90, so for certain games, definitely the $90 option. Games that I know that I'm going to like really like or whatever. But $90 up front for any game is, a, I mean, $60 up front for any game is a huge cost. Yeah. I feel like I would be, I feel like I would take the $90 option, but I would be a lot more selective with my game purchases. I still don't buy a lot of full price games. I still don't buy a lot of sixty dollars games because sixty dollars is so much money. Well, you're um, like as a primarily PC player. There's an interesting statistic about the average price at which PC gamers buy games versus the average price at which console gamers mm-hmm. buy games. And part of it probably has to do with like on console, uh, they're sort of walled gardens. You're limited in the number of places that you can buy from. Uh, the average is something like forty five dollars, and the average on PC is like. 22-ish dollars. Yeah, which is a, <laughs> pretty much the price point about games at. I'm surprised it's actually so low on console because, I mean, 
they is the standard ten dollar markup on anything sold on console. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I've been buying a lot of indie games on the Switch, so mm-hmm. it, I'm sure that brings it down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> for me. Just my three purchases. Yeah, in fact, I'm looking this up right here just to see exact, like to look at the exact numbers. Yeah, so twenty two twenty seven for PC games uh, versus 49.41 for console. Um, and also that uh, PC gamers tend to wait an average of like 21 days to, an average of 21 days to buy a game. So probably like waiting for Seems sales like or bundles average. or something like that. Well, but that's also like someone might wait a year sure, and another like and another person's gonna buy it launch day. And sure. then that's just how they, that's how they end up meeting in yeah. the middle. But I, I think I'm on the $90 train. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of games going up. Yeah. I acknowledge that they are, like, $60 can be a lot to drop. Dude, listen, $90 and you would get everything, like, that means no season passes and anything like that? Yep. Then, yeah, dude, 100%, because I know that I'm going to play all the DLC for Destiny. If I paid, and I know I've already spent 90 bucks on that game just to get the DLC, <laughs> but I, I still have to buy, like, if I wanted to buy silver stuff, I was still, like, yes, 100%, $90. I, uh... I'm going to go a different direction here and say that they should drop the $60 and and have more a la carte options. Uh, I'd like it not to be wildly different price if they offer both. Like, But if you're going to keep, you know, de- hinge your development on selling me things throughout the, the life cycle of the game, then drop your initial price. Mm. Bring it down a bit. Because that'll get more people in the door. That'll be a wider audience for which you can now settle all of your secondary sales. Um, stop making the, the barrier to entry so high. So you think games with microtransactions or loot boxes should sell for less than $60 initially? Yes. Okay. I, I think that makes more sense uh, economically. If you're really hinging on that money being there, you get a wider install base if you drop your initial price. And I think the, the trick, too, is like, so let's say um, your game price went up to 90 Then... A hundred percent of people who buy the game pay an additional thirty dollars. So you know it goes up like it's that's a fifty percent increase. That's a lot, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know when you get uh, season passes or you get microtransactions or something like that. I wonder what the average is. I like once you average out across all players on a particular game, I think like where does that where does that end up clocking in? I think microtransactions are still going to make the developer more money. I think that's why that they haven't gone that route is because they can count on a few whales spending way too much fucking money, and like, you know, uh, like some people will spend every few months on Overwatch they'll spend another fifty bucks or another hundred bucks to get more loot boxes, and by the end of the year they spent like four hundred dollars on one game, and that's fine. But like, if you if you were to charge me upfront Overwatch four hundred dollars, I would not spend that much money. But I've probably spent, I bought at least three packs of of the loot boxes. So like 40, 40, 40, like, you know, 200 some bucks. Yikes. Uh, there's there's a statistic out there somewhere about uh, the, about revenue generated by, it's something like, you know, 80% of, gener- of revenue generated by like 20% of people. Ben, would you mind looking that up and seeing if you can find that statistic? Sure. Just for like the spread of microtransaction spending. I feel like I've seen that somewhere before, but it's, um, I don't remember exactly where mm-hmm. right now. I think the other thing about microtransactions for me, the other factor, is with stuff like um, like Shadow of War, which is out. Uh, we're not talking about it this week because um, I would like to have Gus on, and Gus is um, away at RTX London right now. 
but uh, Shadow of War is a primarily single-player game that still has loot boxes in it, hmm. which is, uh, you know, it strikes a lot of people as a weird choice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, reportedly, and I haven't got this far in the game yet myself, but uh, a lot of people are reporting that the end game is very, very, very grindy. Or drop a couple of dollars and then it like cuts down that grind. That sucks. So that for me is the that sort of like insidious like in the back of your mind concern about any game that has microtransactions is did they alter the game to make it less convenient or more grindy in order to encourage microtransaction spending. So you're just getting gear. Wow, that that system sucks, dude. Well, you, that's that looked like the in-game currency, like the kind that you get. That looked like for playing the game. That looked like there's two currencies up there on the, I didn't, on the right. Yeah. Yeah, there's your in-game currency. Okay, the and silver your one is currency. the one you have in the game. Yeah. The gold one must be the. So I the mean, like the like the concern about that is it for me? It just it erodes the trust you have with the developers because you don't know for sure that the game wasn't altered. It wasn't altered in any way yeah, to encourage spending or to make it more grindy than it would have been if there weren't microtransactions in the game. Also, stuff like oh, this totally undermines, like, and it, the same works with aesthetics, but especially with, like, with actual gear. It's like, why, why would I work towards the end game where I can get cool shit if I'm just going to buy it in a loot box? Uh, you know, that... That totally undermines. I mean, I'm not. I'm not 100% clear on the what the usefulness of some of this stuff is, but uh, at the same time, it's like that seems like the kind of microtransaction that you can tell me it exists, and I'll just never notice. I I, I, I keep feeling like I'm coming out in support of microtransactions. I'm not. It's just they, they, we keep showing examples where I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not going to ever look at that uh, as a. I'm never going to spend money. I know me. I'm never gonna give them money past the point that I've already given them. Uh, and it's a single-player game. The end game, such as it is, is just probably go win the the fight, do the boss. Well, you know, depends on have an army, something like that. Uh, I don't know what the value of these these things are at the moment, but I feel like it's still something that I can very easily just play the game and do it. So Ryan really likes uh, microtransactions. That's what we're getting. Yeah, Ryan. Uh, Ryan wants everyone to spend more money on microtransactions. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, it's that's the. So all right, you got it. I'm not certain if this is what you're going for. I haven't found much on console microtransactions, uh, but there have been a few reports that I'm finding from app stores, like phone games and the mm -hmm. like, saying that uh, there's a report back in 2014 that said free-to-play microtransactions make up 79% of U.S. app store revenues, and that half of all mobile game money comes from 0.19% of users. Yikes! That's yeah, a lot of I money mean. from a small base. But can you imagine like the experience for point? Eight one or ninety nine point eight one percent of players being a reduced or shittier experience because like point two percent of people will are willing to drop a lot of money. That sucks. I feel like whenever we get in a, a situation though where it's like it's it's noticeably reduced experience for the majority of the players, there's a huge uprising and pitchforks and, and torches come out. Yeah. Um, as they should. That is the correct way to, way to deal with a situation. Not, obviously, to a threatening level. Hint, hint, don't threaten people. That doesn't fix problems. Um, 
but I mean, the, the community outcry is usually quite strong and quick when it's something where you can go, well, this is where you're, they're screwing us. Uh, and the fact that it doesn't come up in a lot of these situations means it's just something that you as a casual gamer can just ignore. Yeah, and it and sometimes sometimes that com the community outcry works. Sometimes I think publishers try to wait it out. Mm -hmm. um, in the case of, of Forza Motorsport Seven, uh, they have loot boxes in the game, and uh, a lot of Forza fans were very upset that they had changed the the sort of the balance of the loot boxes um, in in Forza Motorsport Seven Turn Ten. Uh, came out, made a statement, said, "We're sorry. We fixed this. We've changed this back. Um, and here are free cars for you guys." Mm -hmm. um, and that was for the the VIP players in particular. But uh, so it can it can definitely uh, engender change. But I think there's also for a lot of games, particularly those that uh, are going for a more mainstream audience, where the sort of like the hardcore, vocal, really engaged gamers are not the majority. A lot of those, I imagine, will just take a like weighted out approach because most of their consumers don't care. Hey, man, shysters are gonna shyst. You, uh, you're in control of it by not giving them your money. <laughs> Am I a shyster for buying their loot boxes? I don't know, man. You're the reason that we have this ecosystem. I'm the only one. Listen, I mean, damn it, it's, Adam. It sucks because. I'm, I'm just I I am a sucker for that stuff. Your Not problem all of is it. you don't you don't have an angel bird on the other shoulder telling you. This is a good bird. Don't call this a devil bird. Listen, it, I mean, it's okay to be like I don't know. I'm selective. I won't buy. I buy. I buy. I bought loot boxes for Overwatch and Destiny, and Path of Exile. I buy microtransactions for. Oh uh, well. Oh, that's a problem. Nope. There they are. What? Well, it says seeing one crow is good luck. This is my crow. Uh, but six is an omen as evil as they come. And uh, that'd Let's be three, one, four, five, two, six. Three. Way to go, Adam. You, you brought Where's, the evil one. Oh, shit, he's up there. You brought the evil one. Bethesda's actually trying to curse us, I think, which is actually a, a, a great time to move on to that discussion, probably. Um, but first, I'd like to thank our other sponsor of this episode of Glitch Please, Blue Apron. Blue Apron is awesome. Have you used Blue Apron? I have. I have it at home. You like it? I do. Have you used it? No. No? You should try it. Um, this October, Blue Apron is celebrating its fifth anniversary by bringing back its top 20 recipes from throughout the past five years as picked by you, the Blue Apron community. So this is a very good time to try it because you'll get, like, the best of the best good food. Um, and so your favorite Blue Apron recipes are back on the menu for a limited time only. And for less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. You can customize your recipes every week based on your preferences and Blue Apron has several delivery options so you can choose what fits your needs. Also, there's no weekly commitment so you only get deliveries when you want them. For example, I am uh, I leave this evening for RTX London and that way I can say no deliveries from like now until um, you know through next week because I won't be here to get them and then there would just be like food sitting on, on outside my door. Until the raccoons came. Right, until the raccoons came. Um, so it's nice to be able to customize to get the food when you want it. You can check out this week's menu and get 30% off your first meal with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash glitch. You're going to love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash glitch. It's Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I do like it. I like cooking. I rediscovered an enjoyment for it. Uh, sadly, uh, my wife is not. 
rediscovered a joy or discovered a joy of cooking. Uh, so I, I end up doing most of the cooking. Chef stuff. Ryan, I like it. That's me. Uh, I'm not the only one with that dynamic. Grace does, does not like cooking, yeah, which is fine. Laurie actively I, I, hates it. I yes. like, yeah, I like cooking. Uh, I don't like, I don't like having to, like, cook a complex meal after like every day. Like after work is like right. tiring. So I generally go with easy meals. Like just like give me something easy. But mm -hmm. being being that we're trying to not eat meat for a little while, that's harder. You going you vegan? Not vegan. Vegan, vegan and vegetarian are different things, right? Going vegetarian? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm on like a, a meat cleanse. I'm avoiding the meat. Is that when you eat nothing but meat? That's right. I'm on a, I don't know. I'm gonna cleanse I'm on a my fast. body with nothing I'm but a meat. meat. Fast. I'm gonna fasting off the meat. I don't know, man. It's just harder. Well, you can and there, there's like shakes you can drink that'll make you all the caked on meat blow out of your colon. That sounds disgusting. I think we should talk about something else that's kind of disgusting and scary. <laughs> it's, that's, that's we're, not, going, we're transitioning to the evil yeah, within. It's, 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 a, it, there's a kid's face that melts off in that's like three true. seconds. In. All right, so, well, let's get prepared to talk about like some crazy gross stuff then. Let's talk about Evil Within 2. Then you meet the woman that's force feeding someone human. Yes. That was the fun part. I like that so, part. It's coming burns. Would you do your Gollum impression some more? Oh, well, it was, she wasn't really Golluming, but they just needed an evil voice. She had there. two voices, was the thing. She did. She had a low, a high pitched voice and a low pitched voice. All right, so uh, Evil Within 2. Um, this is the sequel to The Evil Within. Um, it's being developed uh, primarily. Like, this is the. It's Shinji Mikami, who is the guy who invented, uh, invented and uh, he started Resident <laughs> Evil. Uh, so he's got very strong uh, horror game pedigree. And now he's been doing the, the Evil Within franchise. Uh, Evil Within originally came out, um, the first one in 2014. I, th I think it was 2014? Yeah. 2014 sounds right. Uh, and then this one is out. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be, it'll be out because uh, this hits uh, this episode tomorrow. of Which Please is out for first members um, tomorrow, Friday the 13th. They picked a really good release date. Uh, I wonder how long they held on to the game. They're like, hey, if we wait one more month, we can come out on Halloween on Friday the 13th. I think it, they probably looked at the year. Mm. You'd be like, do we have a Friday the 13th in October? Stuff it back in. we got to wait for next year. Like, here, here we go. Um, but so this one, in this sequel, the story is sort of continuing onward. Um, the main character from the first game, Sebastian, he's um, in the first game, he was a cop. He's now been fired because everyone thinks he's gone crazy. Uh, but basically, the opening of the game... Uh, he learns that his daughter is still alive, but she's being held captive by the evil corporation, Mobius. So it's not Umbrella Corporation this time, it's Mobius. Totally different. Make Very sure you keep that different. straight. Um, and Legally separate entities. Right. Different and, trademarks. It's and, all good. And uh, she's trapped in the uh, in the STEM system, which is like a like a sort of dream world matrixy sort of Abstergo's thing. Yeah. What's it called again? The animus. The animus. The animus. There yeah. you go. Except very, very instead of memory, it's like you're you're all all um, made very, the mind, and she's like the core of it. But she's gone missing uh, in there with with no responses. So oh, it's uh, like the evil corporation comes to Sebastian and is like, "You're our only hope," and he's like, "You had my daughter, and now you want my help? You're an asshole." There but also yes, because melted. it's my daughter, um, and goes into to STEM to try to find her, and they've sort of modeled it to look like this. Um, this small town of Union. Why is it the kids and like peaceful small towns are so creepy? 
Well, you know, they're supposed to be places of safety or places or, or icons of innocence and safety, and then you twist them. Yeah. So um, this game, I think it looks quite nice. It's very, I played it, well, we all had PC codes, right? Yeah. So um, we, we've been playing on PC. I found it very interesting that uh, when you start up, uh, first of all, when you start the game, do you turn the brightness all the way up? No. Nope. Yeah, I don't turn it all the way up. But I, I definitely go a few notches above. It's like until you can barely see it. I'm like, I'm gonna see that shit well. Exactly. <laughs> like, a little bit more up. I don't do well with these kinds of games. I am not I like a. Spooky. I do not like spooky games. I'm not a horror game player. Like the scariest game level at which I play ever is like Bioshock. Which is which? Bioshock is pretty fucking. Bioshock scary. is 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 very creepy. Bioshock's very creepy, but. Uh, I got around that largely by uh, the environment was really compelling to me. Like, I really loved that sort of um, just like the look and the feel and the underwater city and all that uh, that was happening around it got me kind of through the creep factor. And it, I felt more like creepy was that game. Horror is this game. Like, it wasn't trying to terrify me. Whereas this one is like, you're like, oh, look, heads and yeah. saws and everything, like, all attached to Lots like, weird of gore. blobs this, this and gore. Like, gore has, everywhere. This game has, like, two modes, though. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, like, not, like, two difficulty modes. I mean, it has, like, it has a mode where everything's very, like, it doesn't make sense and there's just scary shit everywhere and you're walking through this, this hall, like, hallways with creepy noise blaring. Kind of like Nightmare World. Right. And then it has, like... Okay, you're walking around a town. You can like visibly like you have open areas. You can visibly see where the enemies are. Slightly less nightmare world. Right. And it's like it's it's a horror world, but it's not like as scary. And I and I like that it has those reprieve. Yeah. Because I couldn't just play like the modes where it's like let's walk into well, scary it's, zone. It's interesting too because a lot of the scary or let's walk into scary zone. At least in I mean I've played maybe four hours into it. Um, and there's a lot of that has no payoff, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but. You'll walk into these intense situations, or they'll be like, you're walking around in an apartment. There's a red room over there. That's the only way I left I, I can go. Right. I walk into the red room, but nothing really happens. So you project the expectation of things happening far more than they actually But there happen. are jump scares. There are, but a lot rarer than you would think. You know, I, more I, <laughs> I did that with Gone Home, mm -hmm. like the where they, they played with expectation a little bit in that where for a, the the early portion of that game, I was expecting at any moment for it to turn into a horror game. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it's like you're alone in this house and it's creaky and there's a storm and, you know, you can't make phone calls or anything. So it's like I was expecting, like based on all those ingredients, for uh -huh. something crazy, scary to happen and then it didn't, which can, you know, sometimes up the creep factor on its yeah. own. Um, I thought this game started out very slowly. It did. It does. I, like you, you, you start out, um, and there's a there's a bunch of dialogue it's like setting up, setting up the premise, stuff, and then yeah. you you get into STEM, and it's like oh Blackpool, and you're going through a couple of these um, things, and then it walks you through more or less an on rails house um, with uh, uh, Sebastian, who, or sorry, Sebastian Steph, Stefano, who. Um, no, it's Sebastian, right? No, the main character is Sebastian, but then right. like a crazy teleporty oh, photographer, Stefano. Um, is which like a lot of these things once I got in the game the this PR agency's been sending us this random super random stuff and none uh -huh. of it like made any sense except I was like do you hate me why are you sending me these things but then uh, the one nice part about the intro was like there's this cat 
And then I saw, I was like, oh, that's why you custom painted the eyes on this guy. Oh. Um, so suddenly I was like, ah. Eh. Oh, here's the guy getting his brain shot out in slow motion. Over and over. Over and over and, and over. There's and the, there's some of the, the laudanum right there. And then. Gross. And, uh, but yeah, that if I have one super complaint about the early portion of the game, it's there's no pet button. There is no pet button for the cat. You cannot pet the cat. I was, it's, it's, I was sitting there waiting for petted. it to become it's, interactable. No, it's a mean and it cat. It would not become interactable. It it's doesn't nice want your cat. love. It's got a, it's got a bow on it. It's going to turn out to nice be the boss. Cat. That's going to be the thing you <laughs> so, fight in the end. So, as someone who's not into scary games, uh, I'm also not. But how do you feel uh, of the, the horror level, or is it too much? It's for you? too much. I'm out. Really? Yep. I have no intention How of playing anymore. How far into it are you? I'm a couple of hours in, but I'm not. You're in the free roam part. Yes, but like I. And that's that's <laughs> cool. Like that part's fine. Mm -hmm. But I have no intention of putting myself in the way of more of the scary parts. I will say again, I I keep expecting it to be more scary than it is. Uh, now they do a, a bunch of incredible atmospheric things, and I, I want to preface this by saying I came into this game expecting not to like it. Uh, I played kind of a, a shortened version of the intro that you go through at PAX, and the controls were so abysmal. I was playing on a PlayStation controller, and it, it controlled so abysmally. So you're playing with mouse See, and keyboard? I am now playing with mouse and keyboard far better. Okay, because I'm playing with a controller, and I think it controls badly, and that the it is awful. The shooting controller. is bad. The shooting is terrible yeah. on controller. Yeah. It is, I, it's not it is great. Awful. Yeah. On mouse and keyboard, way better. Far that's, superior. That's experience. weird because the default like control types. Yep. It's like controller, controller, and then the last one is keyboard and mouse. I mean, it's so I still it's gonna, it'd be better in controller. Well, it's still so, like awkward buttons. It's you know like Q to exit menus, and it's yeah. like it's one of those where they clearly like mapped it to a control a keyboard after the fact. Uh, but the aiming and moving and looking are so superior on on mouse that it is a different game. Okay. I was uh, very interested by the configurations you select right up front. There are two different controller configurations. The main one, the default one, is if you're new to the series. Like a bog standard third person. And if, uh, yeah, and if you play like if you play like shooter games and stuff, but you haven't played The Evil Within. Left yeah. trigger, right trigger. Right. right. So, um, and it's mapped differently than the other controller configuration, which is if you've played uh, Evil Within, you know, presumably because it means you're you know you're used to. That hey, did you get used to our shitty wanna, setup before? Right. You don't want to relearn it. Uh, so it's got that. And then yes, the third the third option being keyboard mouse. The other thing you can do that I would highly recommend is turn up your FOV. You can do that. That's in the settings, yeah. because uh, this and this is part of why the controller is so bad is the the where the you're on, you are on screen is really weird and awkward. You're, it's a third person. You're all the way over on the left, and you're like a foot off the guy's spine. Yeah. So uh, I once I had the mouse and I could more quickly look around and really in, in take in my environment. He disappeared from me. I don't have to worry about him anymore. Well, on the controller, it's like this asshole's always in the way. I can't see what I want to see because I'm having to look through his back. Yeah. And um, it's like... Where's where's the things happening? It's annoying. It's terrible. So, <laughs> uh, mouse and keyboard all the way. Do it. You will never look back. Now, there's a weird caveat to that, which is one of the things, it's it's a standard like, hey, you're the, the hero, but you can upgrade kind of systems where you can collect the, the goo from fallen enemies. What a and weird can, and Yeah, like and upgrade like your abilities and you can do that stuff and, and build yourself. But that did come straight out and say, uh, this is never going to make you not need to be worried. Oh, I bet not. Yeah, because you're constantly like your your initial melee uh, aside from stealth kill, you might as well not use it. I, I've just sat there and wailed on somebody 
nothing. It, it, just, it triggers a instant kill at some point. Does it? Because yeah, I cause hit I, something like eight times. I walked up to a guy and he was like, I'm going to kill you. And I went, chop, chop. And on the third chop, it killed him. Now, you can find like an axe or something, or, or various melee upgrades that are one-time use insta-kills. Didn't know those were one-time use. They're one-time use. It'll break immediately. Well, um, now you don't have yours anymore. Uh, I have two. Anyway, but one of the upgrades is your right mouse button aim down sights. It's kind of like he's drunk. Oh, like so they, can, they don't, they move your cursor on with a mouse. That's fucked. Then one of the upgrades is it starts reducing that. But yes, it's not, I mean, it's not, I'm, I'm over-pronouncing it, but it is very noticeable. Yeah. He's definitely got like that gunner sway. I mean, they, they do set that up a little bit in the, like, story-wise. They justify it. Like, when she uh, he goes into STEM and she says, how are you feeling? He says, I feel so hungover. <laughs> and so they sort of, like, allude to the fact that, like, he's not feeling well, which maybe, like, explains, like, why he runs like he, uh, someone who's, like, 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, you know, he runs like he's, he's, he's not in the, he's not in the best movie. shape. Uh, yes, but so for a game where inventory limitations are a major mechanic, uh, you know, having bullets is something that you have to be very judicious with. Um having anything that impacts your ability to land that headshot that you have to make is kind of frustrating. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, it's it's a, definitely a way to make you want to upgrade that stat quickly. Yeah. Uh, for people who are into like I think the the real selling point for this game for the for the audience for the game is like how creepy is it? Um how scary is it without feeling like it's cheaty or cheapy scary? Uh those are probably like the big things. I mean, look, it's it's a spooky October game coming out on October 13th and about being in spooky dream world. And, the, you know, that's like the, it's mm. by Shinji Mikami and like that's the selling point for people. And so I think in that regard, coming from someone who is a little scaredy cat, it does it pretty well. Yeah, I, will I, say was, I was scared the whole time, even when like nothing was immediately happening. Well, I was constantly terrified because I knew that it was going to like the the atmosphere they set up is pretty successful i like i like the structure of the game i like the the when it goes into that open world town reminds me of silent hill i haven't played a lot of silent hill but i like watching my friend play it because i can't play those games <laughs> uh but no i do i do appreciate the structure of the game and that you can like go into these more creepy zones and the the exploring that town and how weird it is is fun uh, one of the things that they, they Going back to environmental stuff, they they do a really good job of keeping that uh, environment from ever feeling like it's dead, uh, even to the extent of um, like you, you'll frequently catch a glimpse of something that will then you know have one of those things where like maybe the, a, a curtain blows and then it's gone. Like mm -hmm. there's you'll see someone sitting in a chair like but then you go to chair, look at it and then and it's just not no. there or you like I've peeked down a hallway and then like one of the paintings was just like freaking out and then I was like what and it was gone uh, and things like uh, I went in one of the houses just explored one of the random houses because it, it is very free roaming in that sense where it's just like there's a house in the town I'm just gonna go see what's in it and I found a, a computer terminal in the basement that took me to an armory uh, but it was only like a two-room house so I, I go down to the basement I do the little armory thing I get a shotgun that's really cool come back out and on my way out something's changed i'm like uh, mm -hmm. what's going on here and then i i just see like some like i start headed towards the door out and like there's a dead body on the floor that i don't remember and it gets sucked out the door mm -hmm. and it's just one of the the monsters of the town is now dragging a corpse out of the house that i mean 
that is an environment that I thought was placated. Like I thought that that was now a safe zone because I'd cleared the house. Mm -hmm. And they, they very quickly disabuse you of the idea that you're ever in a, a space that will remain safe other than the safe houses so far. Right. Yeah. So. I, and I do like the, because it's sort of a dream world, um, you know, like, it's, you know, in mental world, they're able to do cool things with that. So at the, um, and this is, again, just from the very opening part, uh, there's a part where you walk through, like you're walking through a door and you see a painting of a door. Mm -hmm. But like you can't go up to it, you can't go into it, but you turn around and now that's, and now, like, that's what you're looking at. Like, do you hear you the bell? Don't do that. that was the, every time, as you walked up to the wall, you'd hear, like, a... And then you turn around, it's like, oh, the world's different back there. And then you walk over to that wall, and it's like... Yeah, like, the, the, like the world can change around you if you're not looking at it. Like, they do some the pretty cool stuff with that, I think. You know, where, like, nothing... Nothing is set. Yes. Uh, anyway, final final thoughts? I'm out. You're out. I might play a little more of it. I can't see it as a game I'm finished. I'm going to finish, but um, it is, it's balanced enough on the scary and not scary stuff that I'm at least curious a little bit more about it. Um, but it is like, I don't like scary games, so it is like there are parts of it where I'm like, I hate this. I'm just going to yell through it. So. Uh, I am, I'm definitely in now. I, I was out until I played it on mouse and keyboard, and it's got enough of that, like, now that I have that more uh, secure control over interacting with the dangerous situations in the world, it is less, I feel more in control of the world. Like I can go into it and I'm like, I, this is gonna be scary, but I can handle the situations I'm gonna face and not be sitting there going, I am mad at this because the controller's in the way. Gotcha. So play it on PC, play it with mouse and keyboard. Don't let them try and talk you into using the controller. The controls are bad. What difficulty did you play it on? Uh, I played it on just the middle one, the normal one. Yeah. Just played it on the 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 lowest. I played it on casual. The easy, well, easy. Even on easy, like they don't. They're like you're gonna have plenty of ammo. It's like no, I I shoot way badly, so I don't have a lot of ammo. Even if you land headshots, uh, I mean, I've upgraded the, uh, the the another. So aside from upgrading your character, you can upgrade your equipment. If you're one of those people, it's like that really likes to to grind and and unlock equipment and find new things. It's got all of that like. Uh, gatherer crack in it as well. But I've already uh, upgraded the firepower, which is the damage amount on the pistol, and it still takes two or three headshots sometime to kill things. So you're not guaranteed that one bullet, one kill, even with a headshot. Right. So, yeah, the um, uh, apparently Shinji Mikami recommended people play it on casual, so I was like, okay. Really? I, th I imagine like that's meant as, it's issued as a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was more than happy to not meet that challenge. I read the, <laughs> the, the, the scriptures like, if you really, li if you like survival horror, play it on the regular difficulty. I was like, I don't, so I'm gonna play it on the easy one. Right. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll discuss, I think, we'll, we'll discuss more games next week. Um, maybe some South Park, maybe I some. Play Shadow of War. Shadow of War. What, good. what else have you good. been playing? Oh man, I've been Other playing stuff? so many games. What you been playing? Um, Switch mostly, because I've been traveling. I was at New York Comic Con. Um, I played through Steam World Dig 2. I played through golf, or played a lot of Golf Story, and I started playing Stardew Valley. Nice. Um, the do, do we going to talk about them? We're going to talk about yes. these games. Yeah. Do you want Steam, this? How Steam World Dig 2? Steam World Dig 2 is amazing, and more people should play it. If you like Metroidvania style games, that is definitely that. It's a, it's about an eight hour romp, and the upgrades are all like 
not, I, I don't want to call them game changing, but they're all very significant. Um, the game is charming. It's fun to dig. Um, that game is real. It had better be. If you if you liked the first game, but you thought, ah, there's not quite enough of it, there's more. It's, <laughs> it's a great game. Um, I started playing Golf Story. That game is. It's all I see Gus playing on Switch super these days. Fun. That's the RPG golf game, right? Yeah. Yes. It's hard. I don't want to call it a golf like. So far in the several hours I've played it, I have gone through like maybe one golf match, and the rest of it is like they're using golf as a as a vehicle to tell story. Right, like it's about golf, but it's really not. Like there was, um, I think Gus uh, tweeted something about like a haunted golf course and vampires. So, so it's not like don't think of it as like oh I have to be the best golfer in the world. That's really not right. the way the gameplay like plays out. So, you know, this is not like the golf game with some level up right. mechanics. The way it works is there's a, you, you, when you start the game, you think they sort of set it up like you're gonna become the best golfer. That's what your goal is. Um, and then you like, you wanna get trained by this coach and it's on a normal golf course. Um, and then you kind of go through the, the motions and you basically get to do quests by hitting by using golf as a, as a vehicle to like, oh, we need you to hit uh, this button with your golf, like with your with your golf ball. My my bird is falling. Your bird. Um, your bird. And <laughs> I just made it way worse. No, my poor bird. Stay bird. Um, but then eventually you'll get sent to another golf course, and you're in this like open world where like you see stuff like a hurricane blizzard golf land, and then you walk into the next one, you, the second one you go to is like a uh, Flintstone style area where like everyone talks in caveman speak, and like you're like avoiding like tar pits and shit like that, and it's really charming and really fun, and it's not just about the golf. Uh, if, if you are looking for a golf game, it's probably not a good game. If you're looking for an RPG that you don't mind golf being the vehicle, it's really fun. Interesting. Um, and then I played Stardew Valley, and man, is that a fun game! Oh, it's I so finally hypnotic. got past the big, the the, the initial. I don't want to say I'm over the initial hunt, but I, I started. I'm into a few days now, like a several. I think I'm into like a week or two in, okay. uh, which isn't super far. It's like an hour and a half, maybe. Um, and I still don't know what I'm doing, uh, but I feel like that's kind of normal. Um, is is the loop of the game like? You go out for the day, you do a task or two until you run out of energy, and then you talk to some people and then you go to bed? It can be. So the way the game's set up is you are sort of given the freedom to do whatever you like, uh, and uh, so if you want to harvest moon the shit out of it, you can uh, raise crops, you know, spend your time... Uh, you know, tilling the land, watering your plants by hand every day, and then you go out and you talk to some of the villagers and you make friends and uh, you can do that. Uh, uh, you can be like, I don't care so much about this. I'm gonna go fishing mm -hmm. all day. And you can go do that. Uh, or you can head over to the mines and like you can like, you can mine your way down. There's uh, 120 levels in the mine. Um, and you can try to mine your way down to the bottom and as you go through, you know, you start out, uh, you'll get different ores which you can then use to uh, craft into other things like uh, you can make, uh, you can make kegs. So if you want to grow hops during the summer uh, and then, you know, spend your winter brewing beer or, you know, or do, doing wine, then you can do that. Uh, you know, so you're sort of given the freedom to to set out your days, 
Um, I tend to do pretty much everything just a little bit. So I'll have one day where I'm like, you know, I feel like fishing today. And I'll go uh, down to a river or to the ocean to try to catch the fish that only spawns like in the summer while it's rainy between like 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. Like mm. that sort of thing. Um, because it, it very much has, there are, like each season has specific crops and different crops are used for either cooking different food or uh, that, you know, that sort of direction of the game. Or um, if you are trying to collect everything, you want to try and raise each type of crop or you want to try and catch all the different types of fish. Well, there are fish that only appear during certain weather, during certain seasons, during certain times of the day and so on. So trying to like balance all of that. Uh, and then also spending time in the mines to get ore for crafting resources uh, or to like upgrade your tools, that sort of thing. So I tend to balance it out. I don't talk to most of my villagers until like the second year. Huh, when, okay. when second year. Yeah. I, I still haven't finished when the introductions like, quest because I can't find 28 people. There's a lot of... Give it give it time. Okay. Like don't, don't stress about that. I ended up into like the second season before I completed that one. Gotcha. Just because I wasn't going to like run around and like tick off the boxes. Uh -huh. um, and I was like, I don't... a good guide throughout the game. Hmm? Kind of the community center is a good like kind of guide mm -hmm. to guide you throughout the game. Yeah, there's a there's a community center which um, the mayor Lewis will uh, introduce you to after a couple of days that you've been that, uh, that you've been playing and uh, the community center has these sort of different like bundles that you turn in and they're sort of challenges like you want to try and get um, here are these spring crops here are these summer crops gotcha. here are these different crops and you can go in and like turn in these bundles uh, and then as you turn them in you get uh, rewards for each one and then if you complete like an entire section like all the crops ones then it will uh, like unlock something extra special like the greenhouse where you can then raise crops out of season or it will uh, remove this boulder in the river so that you get more like special bubbly spots and you get more treasure when you fish. So each one has different bonuses like that. Pay your tribute to the community, Lord. My bird is just going to be sad. Just needs we some... can do this. We can fix your bird. Bird. Bird is fixed. Pat. <laughs> uh, so it's the kind of game that absolutely doesn't appeal to everyone. I love it. Bernie thinks I'm absolutely insane because he thinks it looks like the most boring thing ever. I feel like there's a lot of like little no shit to why. find. Like I, the moment the guy was like, "I'm in the Adventurers Guild," I was like, "That sounds dope," <laughs> and I started killing slime. <laughs> like this yeah. is great. Yeah. So you like you're given all these different ways to to progress depending on what you want to do. What have you been playing? Uh, Shadow of War. And, uh, let's see, anything besides that? No. How do you, like, how do you like Shadow of War? Uh, it's kind of a weird thing where, uh, you know, it has sequelitis where you uh, wake up on day one of the sequel and you're like, oh, I guess uh, I don't remember how to kill anybody anymore. Like, I've forgotten every skill I ever learned. Pretty well, much, you yeah. play the same character? Yeah. Yeah, you still play Italian. Um, the other thing that is kind of interesting about it is uh, after playing for about an hour, you will have unlocked up to four different status bars. Mm. You have an, That's a lot of status bars. You have an Elven Rage bar. Nice. Uh, which, once that fills, you can go into Elven Rage mode, which means you just tap X and he just kills everything around nice. you. Nice. I like it. Uh, you've got a Might 
bar, which is if it fills up, then you can do one of those like two-button execution type deals, which I'm sure I've only unlocked one, but I'm sure there's going to be one for every pairing. Yeah. Uh, there's the focus bar, which is what you use for doing things like running fast and shooting the arrows. That gives you like the, the bullet time when you fire the arrows. And then you've got your health bar. And when you're draining someone, another bar appears next to the health bar, uh, which I assume I will do something eventually, or it may just be a status of how the draining's going. Okay. But so far, your draining's uh, pretty pretty good. All pretty those good all those right there at the bottom left. So you're just like, uh, which bar shall I kill you with today? Oh, my focus bar is up. I guess I'll shoot you with an arrow. There's uh, the one thing I, I sort of love about Lord of the Rings and that the the Shadow of War, or sorry, yeah, Shadow yeah. of War did not. Shadow, Shadow of Mordor. Mordor is Shadow of Mordor, yeah. right. Um, didn't have was like super large scale battles. Like I don't know if you remember like the Lord of the, the right. Lord of the Rings came from uh, like PS2 where you're just like fighting these huge large scale battles and all the shit going on. You're just in the middle of it, yeah. Is there anything like that in this game now? Like not I, that I've seen yet. Well, okay, you know what? I take the back. Like you, one of the very first things that you do is you have to defend a Gondorian city. Cool. Um, is it Gondor? It is not Gondor. No, it's it's Minas Ithil, I believe. Okay. Uh, and uh, so you're essentially part of that battle, but it still feels, I mean, you're a soldier perspective, so it's not like for most of it you have a grand overview of the battle in progress. It's like you're I'm running through it. the streets, killing some orcs, and then at one point you do... So boots on the ground. Exactly. Boots on okay. the ground. You do take over like a siege orc or a siege troll at one point, and you can fire things. When you recruit... People, like, you know, uh, I haven't gotten to that yet. Okay. All right. That's another one of those things that it's like, oh, it's, I guess I don't remember how to steal their brains anymore. Let me relearn how to do that, which I haven't gotten to yet. I'm like, I'm, I'm 100% on board with the ring stuff right now. I don't know what okay. happened. Actually, you know what? But, maybe, maybe, sorry, go on. I was going to say, it's a fun game. I, I've you been like pointing it? out some of the things that are negative about it, but, um, or, or weird about it, but uh, if you enjoyed the first one, you will enjoy this one. Okay, we'll, absolutely. We'll, we'll play it more, um, and because mm -hmm. I haven't dove, like I haven't dove into it yet. Yeah. But uh, we can talk about it next week. Yeah. yeah like more, like more in depth, right? Where absolutely. we had like more time with the game. Elijah Wood was on my flight to New York. Oh. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. You think Elijah Wood would sit in first class? That dude sits in coach, and he sits in a middle class, in middle seat. What? Dude does not care. I super, wow. I've 100%, not that I didn't respect Elijah Wood before, but I like him even more now. All right, did he sit in the extra it's, six inch leg room? Was he at least in the exit he was, row? Premium he was, economy, come on. No, it wasn't in an exit row. He was, he was towards the front. I think he might have been in like the 10th row, but dude sat in the middle seat. Good, Good for him. Yeah, man. Right. Way to take the aisle. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been starting pretty much exclusively, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I have uh, an accomplishment to report. I got Bernie into Switch finally. Was he not into the Switch? He was not into the Switch. In fact, he thought I was stupid for liking the Switch. The Switch is such, especially for someone who travels, like that is such a good fucking exactly. System. I keep so taking it, and not using it. Now that uh, now that RTX London is here, uh, he was like he was like I guess I can you know have that to travel with. So he started playing Breath of the Wild. Okay. And at first he was like, I don't like this. I don't do this. Like, what am I doing? I'm just like running around aimless. And I'm like, I'm like, have you checked your quests? It's directing you to a town. If you want direction to follow the story, that's where it is. And he was like, okay. And then he was like, uh -huh. fine. And then he was like, how do I do this? And I was like, by doing this. And so I explained a couple things to him. And now he's like playing tons of Breath of the Wild. Just marathoning it. I'm so proud. I'm just like invested in like getting him to, like getting him on board with, with my lifestyle. Like yeah. I bought him a like a battery pack 
for the Switch, like one of those like big, big ones, and like USB-C cables and a carrying case and like all this stuff. I was like, here you go. You're all ready to go to London. Oh, man. Uh, and sent him off with that, so he's been playing a ton of that. I'm, I'm pretty proud. I'm happy. Nice. The Switch has been like low-key, like, I mean, under my radar, getting a lot of like re-released indie games on it, like uh, Volgar the Viking. If you don't like hard games, you will not like that game. But that game is a super challenging, really fun, awesome 2D fighting game, not fighting game, uh, challenging game. Like I don't know, side scroller? Side scroller, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and then it got Axiom like Verge. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. Shovel Knight, yep. Uh, it's got a lot of like, there's a lot of reasons for me to play my Switch when it's time to play the Switch, like yeah. in bed or on a plane. That, that thing is so good for, it made my flight so easy. I was sitting in a window seat and I'm like really big, so it's like this, but playing my Switch, I was just able to like zone everything out and just fucking play games. Uh, we went down to Fredericksburg over the weekend. We took the boys down because they do a cool Oktoberfest down there. And uh, so uh, we, were, we were driving and Bernie's in the passenger seat playing Breath of the Wild. And it was like totally, a, a totally decent experience. Yeah, man. So I'm fun with it. I got this, um, Is I don't know who makes this exactly, what but- What um, is that? Uh, so the, the agency that does PR for Activision sent this over. Because they also do like these other PRs, and it's this really cool case, which I like. I'm probably not going to use too much, just because um, you can't have this on and put it in the dock. That makes sense. It won't fit, Got, but uh, a nice it's a pretty cool. It's basically a screen cover. Can I tell you here. how jealous I am of your fucking Joy Cons? There, there, there we go. So something would <laughs> happen with these Joy Cons. Okay. They sent me a second set. Oh. And so I have another set. I have to contact support and be like, you you sent me. Other ones. Maybe they just like you, and they want you to give that to your, your friend who goes on Glitch Please sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, so let me see. How did I put this in? Okay, like that's the, right. That's so it goes the, like go. this. Nope, upside down. Um, so you get this on, and it's basically a cool, like, screen protector. I think it's really nice looking. I really... And it's really pretty, right? Yeah, yeah very fancy. But uh, it... And so, like, I can actually take it like this, because then you can make it... Turn it into a stand, apparently. Yeah. Whoops. I don't have it fastened in. Uh, Maybe I should fasten it in. How does it? How does there you fasten? Go. There's, this is, this it goes is the like this. Part. There so you, there you gotta go. close it up, and then you can do like this no, no, no. or I think, something I think, like that. I think, or I'm messing it up. I haven't actually tried putting it on yet. So turn over first of all. Um, there you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Use so it'll, like you can make it like stand up. Started. It's got its own like the you know the switch has its own little arms. So I don't know how much you actually need it. Um, but yeah. uh, you mean that one little kickstand thing at the back? Yeah. So like I probably won't take this too much, but if you just want to like chuck it in a bag and you don't want the additional yeah. bulk that like this adds, like it's at least a you know it's protection nice for looking. the screen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it won't won't fit in the dock though. So I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do with this long term. But getting ready to head to London tonight myself, I'm like making sure my batteries are charged. <laughs> got my Stardew. I've got my golf story. I've got, uh, I'm in the middle of charging my Vita, which I have installed Final Fantasy X and X2 on, just in case. Oh boy. And I've got my 3DS charged up so I can play more Ever Oasis. I've got like, like my three musketeers. I wish, I wish Ever Oasis was on Switch. I really do too. I like Ever really Oasis cool. so much, but now it's, it's very inconvenient to travel with a Switch and a 3DS and a Vita. And it's just, it's just too much. Yep. And I, I get that Nintendo is trying to support their 
you know, su support their purebred handheld there, uh, even though it's oh, it's not a first-party game, but like they're trying to keep 3DS support alive. But I just everything that's on 3DS, I just want on Switch. Yeah, no, I get that. That's that's every, my life now. I want every game on Switch because of the portability. Not that I would always play it on Switch, but just like getting on a plane and playing any 2D game, especially. I'm like, yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. That's it for this week uh, for for glitch, please. Next week we'll talk some some Shadow of War, maybe some South Park. Play a bunch of games. Get into the holiday spirit. Oh, the spookies! Oh no, I'm getting I'm caught in the cobwebs now. Okay. Yeah, watch out! That spider will get you. Uh, all right. And if you're a Rooster Teeth first member, uh, you can catch New Game Plus exclusively on the website. All right. We'll see you next week.